0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Vellani. and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: And Judy is screening calls right now, one if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani, the dog father, about your grooming questions. Uh, he's impeccably groomed, by the way. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And we'll go to those phones in just a couple of seconds here.
2: Lori, what are you working for this hour's news? Uh, we are finding out from some new research, grain-free pet diets. Are they good or bad for your
1: pet? <laughs> I, really? I hope they're good because I've been buying a grain-free diet. And I've been spending a little bit of extra money to do that for the last year yeah, or so. Yeah, me too.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: That's on the way. Uh, let's go to the phones. Oh, by the way, in a few minutes, we're going to talk to a guy who has the 10 weirdest animal laws. He's a lawyer for the Animal Legal Defense Fund. These guys doing fabulous work to protect all the animals worldwide. And uh, he'll be on the show with us in just a few minutes. Have you heard of any of these laws yet, Judy? Obviously,
3: I haven't. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm going to be surprised at it.
1: Okay. You'll have to stick around to find out what those crazy laws are about your animals. Uh, let's go to line four for Dr. Debbie. Hi, Sherry
4: hi how are you today good what's up well you know i have two little chihuahuas and i would say they're both slightly overweight not extremely but slightly and one of them just snores up a storm
5: (laughs) (laughs) and is this snoring is it only when the baby's sleeping or do you notice it at other times just breathing
4: yeah okay no just when she's sleeping and it's it means she's little and it's quite loud
5: <laughs>
4: do you ever notice her
5: waking up in, in the night if she's snoring does she ever kind of wake up uh, like a person does with uh, sleep
4: apnea no no uh-uh, she doesn't she's in a pretty deep sleep i could probably just move her little arms and legs and let them drop and she doesn't even know we're there
5: Well, when when we talk about snoring in dogs, we we describe it in the veterinary world kind of either as a snore or as stirter. stertor, S-T-E-R-T-O-R. And it's basically the, the sound that we hear when a dog is breathing in and there's something that's actually causing a vibration or even um obstructing the airway in some capacity so that might be soft mm-hmm. tissue it could be fluid so it isn't necessarily something that i would say is a normal thing it's usually an indication that there's something um, obstructing that area. And that's why I ask about the sleep apnea because dogs can suffer okay. from that. And we see this commonly in breeds like the English Bulldog um, or even the King Charles where they can have an actually an airway um, obstructive yeah. problem um, where they can uh-huh. actually have trouble getting air. They cannot tolerate maybe high temperatures or exercise, heat, and sometimes even sleeping issues where they can't sleep. Um,
4: Mm-hmm. So well, when the she num- gets the really excited, she um, she chokes.
5: Okay. Well, there could be some other things going on. The number one thing that I think of when I hear of a dog snoring, uh, you mentioned one thing, was being chubby. (laughs) um, Because we can see definitely more fat deposition um, kind of in the the pet's um, body that can affect their breathing. And that might be that they have a limited lung capacity or even some fat up in the, the pharyngeal area. So that could be a possibility that could be relating to it. But in many dogs... Um, this kind of snoring can be a a problem with the soft palate. And just like people, um, we wouldn't know about that unless we actually did a throat exam. And that's usually done with a pet kind of lightly sedated where we can actually look down the back of the throat at the soft palate as well as where the vocal folds are in in the uh, voice box area and seeing how that whole area looks. So that's, that's kind of how we would determine how serious of a problem. But, you know, if you've admitted your pet has a weight problem, number one would be try to trim this baby down because that may um, translate into better breathing which um, again Mm -hmm. it's not normal so we may actually have some added stress to her respiratory capacity so that's something to think about and if she does have a coughing gagging type thing um, you know i would encourage you to have that checked with your veterinarian because these guys oftentimes can have a whole host of things small little tiny tracheas Sometimes what we call a collapsing trachea, which is, um, kind of a, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's an, it's a, it's an aspect of the, the airway that in many dogs becomes weakened. So there's a little bit of like a soft tissue or skin, if you will, on part of the trachea. It's not all cartilage and that area can get a little weak and kind of. Kind of get sucked into the airway with time, and especially if we are working against extra forces. You know, we've got that's got to breathe in harder because they've got a long soft palate, or they've, you know, got a narrow trachea, and then that makes it harder and harder to manage that other problem. So um, it really might be something to have your vet look at and decide if if it's something that we need to address or not.
4: Well, she's going to be going in uh, next month and getting her teeth cleaned, so she's going to be under. So I I will have them do a really. I'll, I'll talk to them about it do a really good yes. exam and see if we've got more going on. I appreciate
5: that. Yeah, that would be perfect. And actually, I, my, my first request would be, yeah, make sure that chest and everything looks good and they know what they're getting into mm-hmm. um, respiratory-wise, yes, right. but that would be ideal to take a look at things while they're doing the dental.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for Alrighty. your call, Sherry. <laughs> Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Now, you mentioned sleep apnea. Uh-huh. <laughs> can, can animals really have sleep apnea?
5: Oh, absolutely, Yeah. Yeah, they can.
1: Do they have and, to wear uh, a little CPAP machine?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I'm not aware of one of those that's actually of use. But, um, you know, when you look at some of the English Bulldogs in particular, I know we talked about this before, that, you know, they're a breed that's quite transformed from what a standard dog <laughs> looks like. So their nasal area, um, their upper pharyngeal area, kind of the back of the throat, all of that can have some dynamic changes that make it hard to get easy breathing. So the air doesn't just... Uh, flow through unimpeded so it actually kind of can get blocked off from a, a long soft palate which means that they may wake themselves up when they're sleeping um, just like a person who's trying to catch their breath Um, so yeah it can happen and it's not usually something that's just real obvious a single thing but when we look at the history that one of these animals might have there's a lot of different things that can all fit together um that we can suppose that that may be happening mm. but I'm not really aware of sleep studies in dogs so much as um you
2: know we look at all those other things
1: Lori, you have some snorers, don't you?
2: You can't hear him?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you like it, don't you?
2: No, I just got that dirty, you're talking about me, mom, look. Yeah, they <laughs> snore all the time.
1: Toll free for your calls, 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by VetroScience. The holidays are just around the corner, and that means visiting relatives, and you know that can make your animals pretty darn anxious. No one likes to see their furry best friends anxious, and that's where Composure Supplement Chews from VetroScience comes in. And I believe we're going to six. Hi, Jim. How are you?
6: Yeah, not too bad. i um, uh, I've got a mix. It's a like a Dachshund uh, poodle mix. And sometimes when we, or, well, no, most of the time when we let her out, it seems like she doesn't want to come in. We'll call her. We'll we'll try to entice her to come in, and she'll just sit there and look at us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and does she? I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. What do you do, then, when
5: she's doing this?
6: Well, a lot of, we've got two dogs, and sometimes we'll let the little dog out, and she'll run around them, and then they'll both come back in. But for some reason, okay. it's like she needs a special invitation or something.
5: And, and do you ever go out and actually have to physically bring her in? We've done that before, yeah. Okay, and we how does she react to, to that? Does she let you pick her up, or does she try to run away from you?
6: She'll usually let us pick her up.
5: Okay. Well, you know, partly she may want an invitation, but the other part of this is that I would say is that she really needs to have a little more direction. And uh, for some dogs, just letting them out to do their business and come back in is great because they kind of get the whole system down. Um, She may like it out there. She may be having a good time. For her, the motivation to stay outside sounds great. So why do we want to go inside? Just like those little kids playing in the alleyway, you know, they're playing kick the can. They Mm -hmm. don't want to come in. So we need to just kind of be that kind of hand. That reaches out. And this may mean that you need to take her out on a leash and actually take her out to do her biz and bring her back in and set that pattern and using your voice commands, you know, in the house, come, whatever voice commands that you have taught her so far uh, when you're doing leash training. And help to reassert that. When you go outside and we're done, if you're done with your business, we're going back inside. Um, and that's different than if you've left her outside and she's outside playing for the afternoon and then all of a sudden you want her in. Because for some dogs, unless you have that direct hand on them and a leash is equivalent to the hand so if you have that leash on her you can bring her in it's kind of like the long arm of the law you know um but otherwise if she's not reacting uh aggressively negatively uh, you know other than just kind of having her stare at you perplexingly uh you know i don't see any harm in that behavior other than you know it could set up for a dog that chooses to do her own uh will if you will
6: Hmm. yeah she is like that but she's a very smart dog that's why i don't understand why we can't train her to
1: To come in the house when we want her to. She's
5: got your number. We need to have a better control on the situation where we can direct her behaviors and tell her, come inside and then make that actually happen in a physical way, not yanking her by the scruff or kicking her or doing anything crazy like that, but we want to just be able to control that situation. Does
1: she sleep in bed with you, Jim? Is she what? Does she sleep in bed with you?
6: Yeah, they do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. She thinks she's the boss.
6: Does that take away some of our power? By
1: Absolutely.
5: It
7: they does They human
5: yeah, well, you're kind of on even playing ground then if, you know, if she's sleeping in the bed with you, and I know, what, 85% of our listeners probably have their pets in the bed with them, Um but for some dogs, it can be a problem where they just kind of forget who's in charge because, you know, they're sleeping in the nice, you know, duvet and, you know, they got their little warm bed there and uh, they've got control of their whole world. So, yeah, the simple thing is uh take back the leash and, and start to control that situation when you take her in and out in and in, in outdoors and uh, you'll find that that will help to remind her that yeah. this is the program and this is what we're supposed to do good luck oh,
1: okay. with that jim i appreciate your time today all right thank you this portion of animal radio underwritten by Vetra science let the holidays be stressless for your pets with the help of composure by Vetra science from glycoflex to multivitamins your pets will thank you for Vetra science supplements we think that's
0: your science for underwriting, Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, everybody. This is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say
1: you. Right now, I want to take? Wait, give me the line again. My brain skipped. Uh, Brett Michaels. I just have one of my brain hemorrhage, brain farts. Oh, go don't ahead, do that! Don't that do that! I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me. Go okay. ahead. Animal Radio. Brett Michaels. And animal Radio. You got it. I knew the Animal Radio. Like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio. And take care of your pets. They will rock your world.
7: All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because Canine Caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's
1: Animal Radio. And a couple of weeks back, we gave out a dozen Brilliant Pad self-cleaning automatic litters.
3: Dog for dogs.
1: For dogs, yes. Which is good. You're using one. You wanted to share the bliss that you have with the oars.
3: Uh, you know, I just love it. And I thought if someone saw this and tried it, they would love it too.
1: So that's that's exactly what our thought was behind giving you a dozen of these all across the nation. We're going to check in with each and every one and find out how they're doing, whether they've trained their dogs to the pad or not. Sort of our little experiment here uh let's see we're going to go to line four in just a couple line three in just a couple of seconds here but let's check in see what's going to be happening in the newsroom in about 10 minutes from now hi lori
2: hey hal we're going to talk about the most common dog allergies and i guarantee they are, are not even close to what you're thinking. And we're talking about Plus, their, do-
1: their dog allergies.
2: Right, the allergies that dogs have. Okay. And also there's a, you know, a lot of us are, are cat people or dog people. But there's a new survey out that shows those of us who have cats and dogs are pretty special.
1: Okay. I'll, I'll tell you I, why. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> uh, hi, Julie. How are you?
8: Hi, I'm fine.
1: Where are you today?
8: Um, I'm in uh, Woodland Hills, California.
1: Lovely. Are you listening on Coast or XM?
8: Um, on Coast. Okay.
1: How can we help you today?
8: Well, I have a uh, silky terrier and a um, sweet little guy, But he and he's uh, seven years old, and he has developed a, um, like, a, he scratches, and he chews, and he's pulled out some of his hair some of his hair is like broken off and he's such a pretty little guy because he's got i keep his hair long and oh, i the
5: true silky look then huh yeah
8: and i've i've gone over him you know with a flea comb so i you know i'm always on top of any flea problem which he really doesn't seem to have and i don't know what this scratching and chewing is i mean he's been okay, doing are there certain areas her. on his body where he's chewing no not really i mean during the summertime, I mean, he he did have some flea bites, but I mean, but um, I just, you know, I I really keep on top of of looking for fleas on him, and I give yeah, him a ba- and... I bathe him like once a week.
5: Okay, and um, as far as are you currently using a flea product?
8: No, I'm not.
5: Okay, because it would definitely, even though you're not seeing them, I always like to make sure if we're in a flea environment and we have a pet that is um, scratching and having hair coat problems, um... Indoors, fleas can live just fine. So I want to make sure that we're on uh, more of a year-round protection, especially if we're having this kind of uh, scratching, itching thing, because one little flea bite can last weeks. And um, so even if we're not having a huge burden of fleas, we could have a lot of the itch. So um, that would be one thing I'd make sure we're we're still very aggressive about that.
8: I've used Um, that, like, advantage and, you know, that stuff. And I just, I don't know, it bothers me because when they put that on him, I mean, one time... I mean, that took my nail polish off my nails,
7: and I'm just yeah, wondering what yeah. it's
8: doing to him, and it's, I, well, I, just that it's toxic chemicals really bother me. <laughs>
5: yeah, and we, I guess we have kind of the, the, the pros and cons of, you know, if we have fleas, we need to find some type of treatment for that, that we're comfortable with. Now, there are certain things you can use in the home, there are certain types of medications that can be given orally, um, and then there's the topical type medicine, so, you know, there's there's definitely different things and I would talk to the veterinarians in your area what they are comfortable using because you know if you're not comfortable using a topical product there may be an alternative that that um, is available to you um but beyond the fleas you know as far as itching in dogs you know we kind of always kind of lump a whole category of skin problems that are allergies and sometimes pets can really have allergies and sometimes they have infections and other problems there but I would say that this would really warrant um looking into things a bit get more. Um, you know, I could certainly recommend things like fatty acids um, or antihistamines to help with some mild itching, but um, this really would warrant, uh, you know, a trip to your vet, make sure we don't have fleas, and then maybe talk about doing some sampling from our skin and see which direction we need to go, because there's really a lot that we can do in, uh, in the dermatology world for dogs, if it's something nutritional we need to go towards, and go towards a fatty acid or a zinc supplement, um, I mean, or if we need to... T-
8: Food, Because I, I was feeding him that uh, dog food. I Well, for one thing, I give him, I cook chicken for him. I boil chicken, skinless, boneless skin, chicken breast. I give him that, and then his dry food, I was giving him that canned,
9: mm-hmm.
8: And so I stopped doing that. I thought, maybe it's the food. And so mm-hmm. now yeah. I've got him on Avoderm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's still, you know, he's still doing the the scratching business.
5: Okay. And the truth is with any kind of food change that we do for the purposes of uh, presuming a food allergy is we have to do it for a month to two months. We need to make sure there's nothing else besides, like, the chicken you're cooking, but even the little treats, the biscuits, um, anything that he might be ingesting will throw off that whole test of that food if he's getting even the slightest little nibble of other things along the way. So I just make sure we re-examine that. And then, you know, I would like to see you really um, maybe talk to your vet and see about using a hypoallergenic level of diet. Um, there's some great hydrolyzed protein diets that your vet can recommend. Um, that are basically um, utilized as food for the dog, but they kind of sneak past their immune system in their intestinal tract. And for a pet that might have a food allergy, um, that can be a great uh, a great avenue to go. So I, I think we could do a lot more, but I would really want to see. I mean, I, I love talking to you, and I'm glad you're asking my advice, but I think you really need to start working with a veterinarian um, to work out some of these different things so that we can get you on the right track. I
1: here. know we're working on the technology right now, Julie, so that you can just hold your animal up to the speaker. <laughs> (laughs) We we haven't perfected it yet, unfortunately. With the
5: Internet, we might be able to get there. You never know.
1: This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
10: Those big scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our GlycoFlex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at vetrascience.com.
3: This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks.
2: How many hours or days, weeks, months, years of research have you put into finding out what kind of food is best to feed your pet? I'm sure it is a ton. But, you know, these days a lot of pet food is inspired by meals eaten by their wild ancestors, like, you know, all the grain-free diets, all meat and raw food diets, too. But are these diets really better for your pets? Well, veterinarians and pet nutrition researchers say they probably are not. Yeah, you heard that right, not. According to clinical veterinary nutritionist at Tufts University, grain-free foods were one of the fastest-growing sectors of the pet food market last year, but they warn it's simply a marketing trend. Of course. A, A lot of pet foods market themselves, they say, by what is not in it. You see those lists on the front of the bag or the can, such as no grain or no byproducts, no artificial colors, etc. And Researchers say that those of us who buy pet food think that if we pay a lot of money for it, and there are a lot of exclusions listed on it, that the food must be better and healthier. However, they warn we're really just buying into an idea, not necessarily a better product, because... Listen to this. They say there is no data to support the claim that grain free diets are any better for pets.
1: Wow. Didn't Experts.
2: That. Yeah. News flash, right? Yeah. Experts explain that pet parents have this false impression that grains are more likely to cause an allergic reaction. But they say, uh, uh-uh. it's actually much more common for dogs to have allergies to meat than to grain. They say that beef, chicken, eggs, dairy, and wheat are the most common allergies in dogs. They caution, by the way, against feeding pets raw meat, saying it's not uncommon also to find things like salmonella, E. coli, and listeria bacteria in raw meat. Because that's really unlike when an animal is hunting in the wild, There are nowadays many opportunities for bacteria to contaminate meat between the time that the animal is slaughtered and when it finally reaches your pet's food bowl. Pretty shocking, huh? It is.
0: Do you think that they actually know all that much, um, about pet food? And the reason why I'm asking that is these studies come out and, and, you know, you think you're doing good the whole time. And then, then you're finding out, like, well, I guess it's no different than people food and you're finding out, you know, what works and what's not working and then it changes again.
2: Well, you know what it is. And it's what I, I try to check into so many times with any products you buy these days is the marketing on it. Yep. It's, it's the product spin what the companies are telling you to make you think it's better.
0: Yeah.
1: And the same with human food, too. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yes. I can't wait until they tell us that pizza um, pizza and beer is much better for you than it is.
2: It isn't? Who
3: cares?
2: (laughs) Well, more and more pet parents these days are willing to go the financial distance for their pets to give them the very best life possible. American dog owners spend $2,033 toward their pet's better life, on average, each year. And cat owners are spending about half of that, about $1,040 a year. But when pet owners are forced to choose between big vet bills and the good life of their furry friends, dog owners, they say, are willing to pay more than cat owners, according to this survey by LendEDU.com. In fact, dog owners are willing to pay about $7,000 more than cat owners. So what is that actual number? Well, those who have dogs say they're willing to spend up to $10,725 to save their lives, while cat owners say they're willing to spend up to 3450 But hmm. look at this. They're talking about people who own just dogs or just cats. But like most of us, we have both dogs and cats, right? Yep. So for those of us who have both dogs and cats, they say those pet parents are willing to spend up to $10,200 on average for either a cat or a dog and save their life.
7: Hmm.
2: Well, the stories of heroes just keep coming out of Texas and Louisiana after Hurricane Harvey. One mother has shared the story of her 25-year-old son who was electrocuted in Houston's floodwaters. Andrew Pasek died while trying to save his sister's cat. He was an animal lover who had just started out walking in chest-deep water. He was going about five blocks to his sister's house to check on the cat who had been left behind in all of the rush to get out when he stepped on a live electrical wire. Sadly, Andrew For this situation, it was so much worse for him because he had pins and rods in his ankle from an earlier surgery, which pretty much made him a magnet for that electric current which was flowing through the water. His mother said, though, there was no way to stop him. He was going to go get the cat and that Andrew was constantly rescuing animals, and that's what he loved to do. Mm. A lot of animal heroes in all of this flooding recently. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at
3: AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com.
11: Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagging tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified Fear Free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: Ah, The animals are getting wild here in the studio.
3: They are. They're running all over the place.
1: Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie. We will head back to the phones in just a couple of minutes for you. So let's get you in queue. Uh, We have Dr. Elizabeth DeLomba joining us. Hi, Doc. How are you doing?
12: I'm doing well.
9: How are you today?
1: Very good. She is the consulting veterinarian for VetroScience. We know that they make a whole bunch of supplements. Why should we even use supplements?
9: Well, I think that's a really
12: great question. What we have found is that people are really looking for something in addition to traditional veterinary medicine. Supplements support different body systems to make sure that the body is functioning at its peak capacity. So as we start, as pets start to age, they may need a little bit more support for their joints. If they get a little bit anxious, they may need something to try to decrease their levels of anxiety and basically just make their lives a little bit easier.
1: I uh, go out to the stores and I look at the shelves and I see there are a lot of supplements out there. How do I really figure out... What are good supplements?
12: Yeah, I think that that's, that's really key, is to find a supplement that's a quality supplement. And the first thing that I would suggest is that you talk to your veterinarian, because I think that your veterinarian will know your pet the best and what they may respond to. But as you said, there's a lot of things that are available over the counter. One of the things that I really look for is whether or not the product has an NASC label. That NASC is the National Animal Supplement Council. What that means is that they actually go into the factories where these products are produced, they do independent testing, and they make sure that they are actually giving you what it says on the label. So that's one quick and dirty way to make sure that what you're getting, what you're paying for is actually what you're getting.
3: So what type of supplements are available for our animals?
12: Oh, there's just a wide range of supplements. The most common supplements that are sold in the United States right now are the joint supplements, but dermatologic supplements or skin supplements, skin and coat health supplements, are increasing rapidly as well as behavioral uh, supplements.
5: In my practice, um, we see a lot of uh, behavior issues, phobias, noise phobias, separation anxiety, and I know that VetroScience has a wonderful supplement um, for that. I didn't know if you wanted to elaborate on that.
12: Yeah, absolutely. We've had really good success with uh, our product, which is Composure. Um, basically, behavioral issues in the United States with dogs are just a huge issue. We have over five over five million dogs every year are euthanized because of behavior problems, and we see fear and anxiety affecting about 23 million dogs in the United States. So this is something that's really common. Um, the Composure product has has been on the market for a long period of time. And we have actual clinical studies that show that the product starts to work within about 30 minutes and lasts about four hours. It's also very, very safe. So this is something that if you have a dog that seems a little bit stressed or if there are thunderstorms coming or fireworks or even just maybe having a, a relative visit that might just increase their anxiety level a little bit, these behavioral supplements will calm them down and make their lives easier.
1: Well, I certainly have learned a lot today. Dr. Elizabeth DeLomba joining us. Is there a website where we can go to learn more?
12: Yeah, absolutely. Go to uh, www.vetriscience.com. All of our products are listed there, and we have a lot of information. You can also give us a call. And we'll be able to uh, answer any further questions you may have.
1: We'll put all that information over at animalradio.pet. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today.
12: Thank you so much. It was my pleasure.
1: We're going to head back to the phones for your calls toll-free
0: at 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
4: Hello, this is Loretta Swift, and I'm on Animal Radio.
8: And please don't forget,
0: stay and neuter. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at
1: the label. We want you to.
0: Red Bar Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 866 405
2: 8405
1: Always sounds like you're saying ow there. one 866 Four zero five eight four zero five. The whole gang is here. Doctor Debbie, I'm dancing away your...
5: over her here. I that.
1: you're getting down. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Good. How you doing?
6: Fat sassy.
1: Fat and, sassy. and <laughs> sassy. I'll have to remember that. Write that one down. That's good. I like it. Fat and sassy. Where are you, Fat and Sassy, from today? Oh, well,
6: we're in California.
1: In California. Okay. How can we help you?
6: Well, I got a golden retriever. He's about not quite a month and a year and a half. Just almost a little under a year and a half. Okay. And he's, a couple times, he's had problems with his backside. He, his tail would not, he wouldn't, he'd stop. If he moved from side to side, it didn't bother him, but if he tried to lift it, it did. And we noticed that he was constipated. So this happened one time, and evidently he cleared himself up because he came back in the house. and He, he went for two or three days like that, and then he was fine. He came back in, he's just happy as can be, and everything's fine. He did it again for two or three days, just recently, just the last week, and now he's fine again. And I don't know okay. if it's, what you know if, if the tail being stiff and you know holding it down, but uh, tucking it between his legs and not moving it—if that's got something to do with constipation or not.
5: Well, yeah, it certainly can, and anything that kind of goes on in the whole hind quarter area can definitely affect the the carriage of the tail, or basically how well that they hold it up and wag it and and uh, show off the especially a golden retriever those gorgeous uh, feathers that they have oh, yeah. um so you now when he was constipated were you con- were you pretty comfortable that you saw hard to pass poops or was he having diarrhea or no,
6: tell was, me about he the poop he was having a hard time passing it
5: okay and then when it came out it was dry and oversized
6: well my son said it was okay i mean he's he's 24 so you gotta know i mean he uh i wasn't home he called me and said you know he finally went to the bathroom and and I asked him if it looked good or what it looked like he said it looked like poop
5: Huh. Okay. Because typically if I expect a pet to be constipated, you know, let's get serious about describing poop here on the air. Um, we're looking for, you know, constipated poop is usually dry, hard to pass, oversized. If we're not seeing that corresponding with when he was having troubles, it could be something else causing pain. So it may not necessarily be a constipation issue. So if we got pretty good confirmation and, you, you know, your son should know... Everyone knows crap to some degree, but yeah. if you're comfortable, that he's described that and said, "Yeah, yeah, Dad, you know this is really some unusual looking poop. It's dry. It's, it looked like you know he was having a hard time passing it." If not, then um, we'd definitely go looking for other things. And um, now, does your dog do much swimming?
6: No, not not right now. He he has in the summertime, but okay. You got to tell my
5: dogs that because my dogs are in the pool. I swear, uh, you know, three times well, a day still. <laughs>
6: He plays in the mud uh, and everything. He's happy now. I mean, he ate good during the whole time. He just didn't get rid of it. and uh, uh-huh. He walked funny, and he'd go out, and he'd try to go, and he'd strain and everything. He just couldn't do anything. But I was worried about it. You know, it's the second time it's happened to him. I don't know if it's something yeah. he ate in the yard or what.
5: Yeah, in, in that inconsistent, the occasional trouble going to the bathroom, it's certainly possible, you know, that, you know, he acquired something that was more interesting than the typical dog food and that could cause some havoc going through. Even a dog that, say, gets, um, rawhide chews, nothing necessarily wrong with that, but we can see a pattern of inconsistent poops from many dogs that have, uh, that ingest rawhides. It can cause the diarrhea and then it can kind of look like they're having trouble passing the, the subsequent poops. So I would say, uh,
6: Eats tree limbs. Eats tree limbs and twigs.
3: Ah, ah. All right.
6: All he's fascinated with him. He comes in there like toothpicks with him. He comes in two <laughs> up on the floor.
3: Oh, gotta
1: stop that. I think he's a woodpecker. <laughs> Well, definitely,
5: I mean, as far as a lot of these guys, they look for stuff to chew, and you know if he is ingesting things like that um tree limbs uh you know your neighbor's uh, shrubs, what have you then that definitely that can create some havoc going through, so you might want to work my my prescription for you might be to really super monitor his uh, intake and his output over a period of a week to two weeks, and during that time. Watch him closely, make sure he doesn't have access to some of these different behaviors of chewing and see what those poops are looking like. If everything's going good and we're comfortable that he's not getting into other things, then we may be comfortable to say eh, that occasional problem is likely to eating that bow off that tree or, um, you know, chewing something in the yard. Um, But, yeah, definitely, I I make light of it, but, you know, we don't want uh, to encourage that kind of chewing behavior because it just sets up for whole sets of digestive problems and foreign objects and all that wonderful stuff.
1: I'm thinking you can redirect that behavior with real treats or toys instead of, I mean, every time he goes up to the tree and starts to eat a a tree limb or bark. (laughs) Seriously, give give him a toy or give him a a treat or not to reward him for that, but give him redirect his attention to something different than that. She shouldn't be I mean, doing that. I've
6: got a doggy door, and him and the other dog go out, in and out a lot, and he, he'll come in, and he'll try to drag one through the door, you know. He'll have one more feet <laughs> cool. on sometimes.
13: Yeah,
6: yeah that's well, not good for him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for your call today, 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Brilliant Pad, the world's first self-cleaning dog potty. It automatically replaces a soiled pad with a fresh one so your home stays clean and odor-free. With Brilliant Pad, you never have to see, touch, or smell the yuck again. Learn more over at BrilliantPad.com. And thanks, Brilliant Pad, for underwriting Animal Radio.
14: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Have you ever been frustrated while trying to take a picture of your pet? They're sitting there looking so cute. You pick up your camera and they run away, jump out of the frame, or try to play with you or maybe even attack the camera. Pet photographer Ian White suggests choosing a background that works well with your pet. For example, if you have a black lab, he'll show up better on a light colored blanket. Pets model the best when they're a little tired and after a meal. Let them fall asleep on the selected background and then alert them with a treat or a squeaky toy. Be ready with that camera. Try to take the photo from eye level, which may mean lying on your stomach or having your pet up on a bed or furniture. Good luck. I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people
7: too. Animal Radio. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine caviar
0: celebrating the connection with our pets this is animal radio featuring your dream team veterinarian dr debbie white and groomer joey villani and here are your hosts hal abrams and judy francis here is
1: the toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani right now. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to one of the attorneys from the uh, Animal Legal Defense Fund. And you know, they do some really serious work over there, and I applaud them. But they actually sent me a fun little press release. They're talking about some of the strange and bizarre animal laws. Uh, for instance, in Ohio, if you live in Ohio, and you, if you do, you probably already know this, you definitely don't want your stallion... Uh, mating in public.
3: The stallion can't initiate it.
1: Stallion can't oh, initiate. Yeah. But the
3: mayor can.
1: These are all part of the weird laws that uh, are on the books, and we'll find out more about them with the Animal Legal Defense Fund in just a couple of minutes. Lori, what are you working on over there in the
2: newsroom? Nothing nearly as exciting as that for sure, but we do have some information that just came out. The new report from the Animal Poison Control Center. And we'll tell you what is the number one poison that people call them about. I bet it's something people gave to their pet themselves. Oh, I bet you're you're right. (laughs) You are so right, Dr. Debbie. Oh, I am.
1: (laughs) You probably have to deal with that every week, too. Okay, so uh, we'll find out what that is in just a couple of minutes. Let's go to the phones for Dr. Debbie right now. Going to McKellar. Hi, McKellar. How are you doing? Is it McKellar? Michaela. Michaela. It sounds so much better when you say it. How are you doing, Michaela? <laughs> All right. Where are you today? I'm in Iowa. Beautiful Iowa. How can we help you?
15: Well, I have an eight year old Italian greyhound who has mood swings. <laughs> ah. She, hmm. uh, she can be fine, loving, cuddling, what have you, one minute, and then uh, I'll use last night's episode as an example. Um, I was cuddling with her and gave her a kiss and went to give her another kiss and she turned right around and bit my nose. Holy cow. (laughs) She didn't. Did she actually break the skin? No, she didn't. But she put her teeth right across the bridge of my nose.
5: (laughs) Hey, that's close enough for me. I don't need to get any closer than that. (laughs) Well, she's definitely sending us a signal. So were you holding her at this time when this was going on? No, she
15: was laying next to me. Um... And she doesn't give any growls or anything to say, I don't want that. You know, she just does the lunge. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, And
5: is this something that she's done throughout her life, or is that something just
15: more recently? it's, It's more, I would say, within the last three or four years.
5: Well, I mean, the first thing I always like to do when we talk about an a unexpected or an inappropriate bite, um, I guess there's never really an appropriate bite, but, uh, you know, other than kids, like, teasing a dog where they might be like Not even bite. a
1: love bite, a little love bite, a mm-hmm. little nip?
5: No, no, it's, it's just, it's not allowed okay. in my book.
6: Okay,
5: okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least not from dogs, we'll say.
6: Okay.
5: <laughs> so, as far as with what you're seeing right now, um... My feeling is that she has got a change in her boundaries, and uh while you're finding that this contact is fun and it's appropriate, she's taking those actions as a challenge uh-huh. and This is kind of the situation where I'm assuming she sleeps in the bed and she yes. sleeps with you uh-huh. okay, so that's,
15: that's where she was too
5: okay, see now there's there's some good and bad with that the The good is for most dogs, you know they're a uh, bed warmer at night and right. you know it gives us a a good time to kind of bond with our pets for certain dogs. this can be a real problem because there's a blurring of the lines of you know how does this system work and who's in charge in this household, uh-huh. and for a dog that's doing what she is. We need to reassert those lines and I'm not, you know, telling you to do anything mean or any right. rough training techniques, but this is really where I say she needs to get off of the bed, uh-huh. off of the furniture and back on the floor. Okay. Um, that physical distance in itself will make a huge difference. Um, once we reassert that to her that, you know, this is where you're Permitted, and you're not permitted in these areas. Give her great beds, give her great sleeping areas, but she's not to be permitted high enough where she can be looking eye to eye with uh-huh. you in the bed. Um, that may need to be done with keeping her on a light training leash or even, even better when we have a little pet that wants to snap is, um, a head halter, kind of like the gentle lead halter halters okay. that, that way you can maintain, maintain control of her and not put your hands or your face into a position where you can get at risk for a bite. Uh-huh. Um, so it's really reclaiming the bed, <laughs> reclaiming the couch and then, During all this, we got to practice basic obedience, and that's basically how you reassert that you're the boss in the house. So not by a hard hand, but by a gentle reminder. So that's the sit commands, the down commands, the stay, Uh any little tricks or things that you've taught her through the years. We practice those, and then we give her positive reinforcement. Uh So basically, it's kind of like going back to puppy school. Okay. Um, But we need to do that in conjunction with these physical changes in the home. And, um, you know, in the meantime, I would say, we don't want to get into a position where we are um, giving her affection at that same eye level. So um, you know, you can invite her for affection, but it needs to be down at a lower level, and uh-huh. it needs to be something that you can control the situation by a, a light leash, a training leash, something in that way.
15: Okay.
5: So does that sound like something you can tackle, or uh,
15: can are you going to run to, the yeah. other direction? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can. I can certainly try to. I did give her, and and you probably wouldn't like it, but I gave her a light. Sl- Bank
5: last night. Yeah. And,
15: and, and, I it just really... that was, and I told her, no, that that was not the right thing to do.
5: Yeah. It's just, you know, some dogs may respond to that, but with these type of situations, some dogs, it can escalate the problem. Yeah. So if we have a dog that has a feeling like, I've got to be a dominant and, you know, this is my turf. A physical correction can actually escalate that to where you may be more likely to get bitten or it could get more aggressive. So okay. I'm really just not a fan of that. Uh, I won't right. report you to animal services or anything like that, but I think that we could better handle this by coming
15: at it from another direction. Right. No, that's fine. I certainly don't beat her.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe make a noise like, uh, <laughs> is that what you do, Judy?
3: Yeah, she knows the one I just go like, ah. Oh, she just backs off. She She knows. knows That's Mama says no. It's a
1: shocking verbal correction is what you're doing, huh? Okay. Thanks for calling today. 1-866-405-8405. With the holidays just around the corner, that means Uncle Louie's coming. And let me tell you, the animals, they all hide from Uncle Louie. They hate him. Can I go off script?
3: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Not according to Uncle Louie.
1: You know, for Uncle Louie, I have to have a little shot of tequila. It, It calms my nerves. For the animals, I suggest... Composure supplement. Tr- s- Composure. Su- <laughs> no one likes to see their furry best friend hiding from the relatives, and that's where Composure Supplement Choose from Vetra Science comes in. Uh, hey, Cody, welcome to the show. Hi, how are y'all doing? Doing good. Great. What's going on? Well, I
6: have a, a six-month-old mutt, and she is eating
13: my uh, my other dog's poop, and I'm wondering what I can do. We read that it was like a uh lack of nutrition or something, so we read we could give her liver, and we started feeding her liver and all that, but that's not working either.
5: Ew, I hate liver, man. Ugh. Ugh. feel bad for your dog. <laughs> 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 now, this is a puppy, a six-month-old puppy? Yes, ma'am. All right, it's, it's not a nutritional problem. Dogs do this because they like it. We don't want to face the reality. They find it fun, and it's an enjoyable thing. And what's even more fun is they love to do it because we respond so negatively to it, and we chase them around trying to pull the little pieces out of their mouth, um, and they, there's a kind of a game involved with it. Now, that being said, there are dogs that um, kind of pick up this habit when they're young and may continue doing it throughout their whole lifetime, um, and, and then for those, I might be looking at some other health issues that are going on, but it's a natural thing. Puppies do this. They pick up poop just kind of like kids explore their environment. The trick is, the number one thing is we don't want to try to make a big deal about this, Um, So when I deal with this problem, there's twofold that I'll do. One is I talk about training, and two, I talk about deterrence and avoidance.
4: So training
5: is really where you train yourself to not respond badly to this. So if you catch your dog doing this, we want to find an alternative for the pup to do. So instead of saying, hey, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it, we're going to say, I got a squeaky toy. Look at this great squeaky toy. And you go running in the other direction, squeaking that thing as loud as you can, dancing around like a fool. That is going to be more fun than that little pile of poop, and that's going to draw the, your pet's interest towards that. Um, and so if you, if your dog fails to drop the poop and brings it along, hey, you've made some steps. At least you've got the dog's attention and you're getting the right response. Um, the second part of that is avoidance and a deterrence. So if we have a dog that we're taking outside and we have no control over where they're going and they're going potty as the, at will, we really have no control over saying, hey, stop that, come here. So you need to take your pet out on a leash to the potty area and supervise that activity. Praise them up and down when they do their goods and when they walk by that pile of poop and don't try to pick that up. Um, and then the deterrence things. There's tons of different products out there that you can feed to dogs to make their poop taste uh, bad, if, if you believe it. <laughs> you have to do that. Um, <laughs> But there's oodles of different products out there. And, um, you know, if it's a matter of your other dog's poops that uh, are being ingested then you can feed these products to your pet and and with repeated exposure it helps to be a negative deterrent and and i've had people that they try all sort of different things you know tabasco on the poop and all that stuff and and whatever works for you to deter them that's great i'm i'm a fan of that but the biggest thing is to not allow them to have that exposure in the first place and then if you do see it happening to really redirect the behavior to something else that is more favorable and more fun than the, the little squishy poops there
1: Hope that, uh, okay. Hope that helps you out. I appreciate your call Cody. Toll-free 1-866-405-8405. Let the holidays be stressless for your pets with the help of Composure from Vetra Science. From Glycoflex to multivitamins your pets will thank you for Vetra Science supplements. And thank you Vetra Science for underwriting Animal Radio. You're
0: listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
10: Join Fido Friendly Magazine with presenting sponsor Petco Foundation for the 9th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66. Brought to you by media sponsor Animal Radio, car sponsor Legends Car Rentals, companion sponsor Evercare, and safety sponsor Sleepy Pod. The tour stops at shelters from L.A. to Chicago to support adoption events and raise money with the help of advocate sponsors Curian and Buddy Belts, community sponsors Tito's Handmade Vodka, Play-Doh Pet Treats, Zeus Dog Toys, Hands-On Gloves, Canada, and Lucy Pet Products. Check out FidoFriendly.com to see where the tour stops in a city near you, and you might just find your new forever friend. Those big scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our GlycoFlex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at vetrascience.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Have you downloaded the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry yet? It's a good app to have, especially if there's ever a recall, a food recall. Uh, You'll be the first to know. You'll get a smartphone notification on your free animal radio app for iPhone and Android. So go download that right now. And you can get your fix of animal radio anytime you want with that app, too. You don't have to, like, uh, if it's really early in the morning where you are now and you'd rather listen a little later in the day, easy to do with the animal radio app. Uh, Let's see. Uh, In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to David Rosengard. He's the staff attorney for the Animal Legal Defense Fund. These guys do great work protecting animals. Many of them work pro bono. We'll find out about them. But more importantly, they have some weird animal laws on the books. We had to check in to make sure these are actually uh, legit. We'll find out in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. I won't tell you what they are. You have to just wait. right there on the piece of paper. Let's see. Lori, what are you working on in the newsroom? We're about 10 minutes away from checking our news.
2: Uh, There is... um In Europe, you might want to book a trip now to spot this new, incredibly rare, not a new animal, but it's really one of the very few times that it has been sighted. There's a video out on it recently. You might have seen it, but we'll explain and tell you all about how cool it is.
1: It's not Bigfoot, is it?
2: No, it's not.
1: Okay, because that's one of those crazy laws on the books here about Bigfoot.
3: Oh, it is?
2: Yes. We'll
1: we'll tell you about that in just a few minutes. Which one are we going to, Judy?
3: We're going to go to line one.
1: By the way, if you were listening the last couple of weeks, we've been giving out these Brilliant Pad automatic self-cleaning potty systems for your dog. We gave out a dozen of them. And I think it's about time we just go check in and see how the winners are doing. Hello, Nancy. How are you? I'm doing good. So you got the Brilliant Pad, huh? I sure did. Did it come in two packages for you?
16: Yes. They came about a day apart.
1: And so one was the actual Brilliant Pad and the other was the, the rolls, I assume, the pads.
16: Yes, exactly.
1: Do you put it together yet?
16: I sure did. I did it this morning.
3: How long did it take you? Was it pretty easy?
16: It took me about five minutes, but <laughs> probably would have taken less if I read the instructions.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're, you're just like me. I usually put it together, then read the instructions, and then realize I put it together wrong. Backwards.
3: And put it together
1: again. <laughs>
16: well, I put it together the way it was supposed to, except there was a couple of hints inside the video that I didn't, like the cord, I didn't know about putting the cord head, there's little latches underneath the to keep the cord in place.
1: Oh, so you, you, you
3: saw a video?
16: Afterwards, I went on your website and watched the video oh. just to make sure I did it right.
3: So uh, what is your dog's name?
16: Um, I have two dogs. They're both rescue dogs. And one is Stanley. He's 10. And the other one's Oliver. And he's six. <laughs> and they're both um, Shih Tzus.
3: And what did they think of it? Did they think it was well, some kind I, of strange machine?
16: At first they did. I put a couple of treats near it and they actually got on it. Oh and good. Got off it. So I just sort of fully introducing it to introducing them to it. But they both got on it and sniffed around it and
1: That's a good sign. It. That's yeah. a good sign. Yeah. Do they uh yeah. use pads right now?
16: No. Um they don't, but they um I they do have a doggy door that I don't. I've been letting them use it only when I'm at home uh-huh. and I work, because of, there's coyotes in our area. Sure. And yeah. um, I'm just they're so little. I'm just afraid to have them have the roaming outside when I'm at work. I get so. it.
1: So do you do you have to wake up in the middle of the night to take them out?
16: Yes. Yeah. Only one, only the other one sleeps through the night. There's only one that gets up and cries till I let him out. And yeah.
1: Okay, so our goal is to get them pad trained and then get them on to that uh, Brilliant Pad and see if they like that. Yes. Yes. That that would be good.
16: especially for long days that I'm at work or I have to keep them locked in for certain reasons, like the days the gardener's coming and, you know, I don't know when they're coming and ah. stuff like that. But also I just don't feel as safe as I used to letting them out because of there was a coyote living by my house on the other side of my garage recently. Oh, oh. And um, so that's why it's, it, it's frightened me to just, give them total access
1: to the doggy door. Okay, well, I understand that. Uh, hopefully, they yeah. won't have to go out. We're going to okay. check in with you again, maybe in a couple of weeks, okay?
9: Okay, that's perfect.
1: Hold on for one second. Hey, Kim. Hi there. How are you doing today?
9: Good, thanks.
1: I'm calling because I want to find out about the Brilliant Pad. What's your dog's name?
9: Her name is Blanche. Blanche. Uh, after, Blanche DuBois from uh, the Tennessee Williams uh, <laughs> Desire.
7: <laughs> How old is Blanche?
9: She's 11. And she is setting her ways.
7: <laughs> what kind of dog is she?
9: She is probably Jack Russell Fox Terrier mix. The uh, vet seems to think she was a
1: rescue. So you set it up. You uh, got both boxes. You set it up. Was it easy to set up?
9: It was. It was. It was confusing to look at. So once I watched the video, I went, "Oh, now this makes perfect sense."
1: And did uh, Miss Dubois come over and sniff it?
9: She did. She watched me. She was very curious. And she sniffed it a few times, so I would let her. And when it was all done, she sat on it, and I went, "There you go." Oh, yeah, that's there. a good sign. <laughs> she just she just sat on it. Like, is this a new bed? I went, "Well, no, <laughs> it's not exactly. You kind you kind of got the idea." And then she she sniffed it, and then she walked away. I went, "Well, alright."
1: <laughs> is she currently pad trained? Does she use pads?
9: She what she uses is a little box that I have set up. It's oh. very. Um, uh, primitive type thing that I have set up on the balcony. So she's used to going outside, but when it's hot, I would love to just keep sure. the doors closed and keep the AC on.
1: And what what is inside um, that box that's out on the balcony?
9: A real piece of sod that I have to lug over from the nursery once a week.
1: Oh, wow. Well, the goal is to get her trained, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. We'll give you a call back and check in and see how you're doing.
9: Yeah, that'd be great.
1: <laughs> Hang on for one second, will you? I will. Thank you.
11: Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagging tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified Fear Free veterinary near you, go to fearfreepets.com.
4: Hi, this is Elaine
3: Boosler on Animal Radio. Staying new to your pets and some of your exes. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori
2: Brooks. Ibuprofen is the number one medication about which the Animal Poison Control Center receives calls. They say never ever give a dog ibuprofen without first consulting a veterinarian. Uh, This is what we've learned from the annual report issued by the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, which runs the Animal Poison Control Center. This year's report breaks down the most common pet toxins across the nation and ibuprofen is again Number One, by the way, popular brands of ibuprofen include advil, Motrin, pediacare, fever, even Midol pets they say metabolize ibuprofen differently than humans and even small amounts of it can be dangerous to animals. Giving it to your dog can cause vomiting and lead to seizures, coma, even death. The animal poison control center 's phone number, if you don't have time to look it up, is eight eight eight. 4264435. That's one of those ones you want to put on a an index card and a magnet on it right there on your refrigerator. There's a new survey out from Petsmart Charities that reveals 66% of Americans say that adopting a pet would make them happier in the long run than winning the lottery. And 64% said giving up their pet would be worse than losing their job. I agree. Yeah. There's a, a rare white moose that has been spotted in western Sweden. Hans Nielsen has spent the last three years trying to see an elusive white moose. And last month, he got lucky and crossed paths with one two days in a row. While he saw the moose on the first day, he was so amazed on the second day, though, he learned, and he was ready, with his camera. <laughs> the video took the Internet by storm. Sweden, by the way, has an estimated 400,000 moose in their moose population. However, only about 100 of them are mostly white. A few of them, like the one that Nilsson saw, have the albino gene and are totally white because their body just doesn't produce, produce enough melanin pigment for color. But most of those 400 rare moose there that have the recessive gene, they are mostly white, but they look all white until you get up close to them and then you find that they're interspersed with just tiny bits of brown hair. A couple of cats in New York will be living a better life than many of we humans after their loving elderly owner passed away, leaving them $300,000 in her will. The cats are Troy and Tiger, and they're now being cared for by a healthcare aide who had worked with their former owner. So now they are, like a lot of Beverly Hills kids, trust fund cats. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more
3: breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com.
11: Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagging tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. The toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani. And I'm just thinking, I'm having a pretty bad hair day myself. Soften the blow because you're you're having a really bad hair day. It's Judy. the humidity here and the headphones. Yes, you get the headphone headphone hair. hair yes. In, in Juneau, Alaska, if we were dogs, that might very well be illegal.
3: Really, really.
1: From the Animal Legal Defense Fund, we have David Rosengard joining us. Hi, David.
13: How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good to be here.
1: What what's the deal behind the uh, the bad hair day in Alaska?
13: So there is a law on the books in Juneau, Alaska, that prohibits bringing. Dogs into beauty salons, hair parlors, barber shops, anything of that sort, oh, okay, yeah, so if your dog's having a bad hair day you 're not going to be able to get it help in any kind of human establishment, and my guess is that probably dates back to before uh, Juno had any infrastructure for dog you know, grooming, and there may have been someone trying to sneak their dog into a human beauty salon
1: sure. are there weird <laughs> other laws uh, regarding animals on the books?
13: Oh, sure. There are a great many of them. Um, And part of it has to do with the way that animal law has grown up over time. It comes out of all kinds of different relationships we have with animals. Uh, One, for example, is in California, you can have jumping frogs and you can have frogs that you might eat, but they can't be the same. So if you have a frog compete in a jumping competition, uh, it is ineligible for use in any sort of uh, frog-related dish. And that's interesting, because it's the same frog, and it points to the way that, under the law, animals get treated differently, not based on who they are, but based on how people relate to them, which is part of why we include it in our our list of weird and wacky laws.
7: So if your
3: frog loses the race, you can't eat it?
13: You cannot, no. That would be (laughs) right off the menu. Where
1: where, where do you find these laws? I mean, are these uh, just obscure laws on the books that uh, you have to go searching for?
13: You do. So we, in the course of our legal work, which here in the Animal Legal Defense Fund's criminal justice program largely consists of trying to ensure that animals victimized by crime get justice, we work with a lot of different state laws, a lot of different county ordinances, and we try to keep track of the weird ones we run across. So as we're doing some other research, if we see, for example, an ordinance that says in uh, Scamia County, Washington, you cannot shoot Bigfoot or you'll be punished by misdemeanor. We try to keep track of that.
1: (laughs) Before we find out some more unusual laws, tell us a little bit about the Animal Legal Defense Fund Defense Fund. Sure.
13: So we're a nonprofit organization of attorneys. We've been around since about nineteen seventy nine and our mission is to advance the interest and improve the life of animals through the legal system. So We do that in a variety of different ways. As I said, in the criminal justice program, we work on making sure that animal crimes are taken seriously and that law enforcement and prosecutors have the tools they need to get justice in those cases. Uh, My colleagues in the legislative program work for stronger, better animal laws. My colleagues in the litigation program do similar things on the civil side. Uh, And we of course have a program also devoted to educating people about animal law. So we're, we're operating broadly throughout the United States to try to help animals get a better shake out of the justice system. Yeah.
1: And do the, uh, the attorneys that work for you do they volunteer their time or are they uh, how, how are they compensated?
13: So we've got both. We've got a core group of full-time staff attorneys. This is what we do each and every day is fight for animals through the legal system. We also have a very large pro bono network of attorneys. Um, who may have entirely unrelated practices, but they do volunteer work for us on the behalf of animals.
1: You know, here in California, we get lots of calls about ferrets, but here in California, where the studio is, we're not allowed to have ferrets. What is uh, the reasoning behind that? Why is it some states allow it and some states don't?
13: Yeah, so California is uh, one of the only two states that doesn't allow it, and it's the only non-island state. The other one, of course, is Hawaii. Uh, And the legal reason in california is because as far as california law is concerned ferrets are exotic wild animals uh... the more practical reason seems to have to do with concerns about invasive species and the impact on agriculture and this is where i think hawaii and california have sort of different scenarios hawaii being an island and having a lot of history with invasive species has very clear concerns about what would happen if tiny weasels got loose uh... on their in their state california already has a variety of weasel creatures in the state so it's harder to really see what the practical concern with ferrets is uh particularly because domestic ferrets are not known for their um, shall we say self-preservation skills they don't tend to do well in the wild
1: denver colorado is a place you can just drive down the street and get a dime bag a pot but if you have a pit bull it's illegal it's it's one of the places with breed bans where does the uh, aldf stand on that
13: so we're opposed to, opposed to breed bans um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, fundamentally, they don't work. The things they're meant to address are preventing harmful interactions between humans and dogs, and they just don't serve that purpose. We have, you know, the data indicates that it's not really the breed of an animal. that speaks to its likelihood to, for example, bite someone. It's how it's socialized, how it's trained, and the environment it's kept in. And... That's really true regardless of what the breed of dog is. Also, we find that the impact of those laws is that it makes it more likely that banned dogs or dogs that look like a banned breed will end up abandoned, abused, or in shelters. It creates sort of a doggy criminal underclass, which serves no one well.
1: We're with David Rosengard. He's the staff attorney for the Animal Legal Defense Fund, doing very serious work. But we're going to find out some of the weird laws on the books coming up next right here on Animal Radio.
0: Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
6: Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out.
0: Get away the Italian way in the new Fiat 124 Spider. With up to 164 horsepower and 184 pound-feet of torque, the Spider is the perfect performance vehicle to rev up for a top-down kind of summer. Visit your local Fiat dealer today.
14: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Thinking of flying to Florida with Fido? Lisa Weisberg from the ASPCA says the safest place for your pet is under your seat in the main cabin. Be sure your pet is properly identified with your contact information. A checkup with the vet is always a good idea. Some short-nosed breeds like pugs and bulldogs have trouble getting enough air in flight. Contact your travel agent to find out what animal health documents might be required where you're going. You'll also want to get your pet familiar with the carrying case by letting them spend some relaxing, non-flying time in there. For more information, you and Fido can log on to www.aspca.org slash travel tips. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This portion of Animal Radio was
1: underwritten by Brilliant Pad, the world's first self-cleaning dog potty. It automatically replaces a soil pad with a fresh, clean one so your home stays odor-free and you never have to touch, see, or smell yucky pads again. Learn more over at BrilliantPad.com. And thanks, BrilliantPad, for underwriting Animal Radio. We're with David Rosengard. He's the staff attorney for the Animal Legal Defense Fund. Okay, give us some more of these just way wacky animal laws that are still on the books or have been on the books.
13: Sure. Well, one of my favorites, as I alluded to earlier, is a law out of Washington State uh, that originally made it a felony crime to shoot Bigfoot. It's been since downgraded to a misdemeanor. Uh, but this is fascinating, because uh, you know, Bigfoot, depending on where your listeners may fall in their belief spectrum, Bigfoot is either an urban myth or perhaps an undiscovered cryptozoological creature. Um, but regardless, there hasn't been historically a big problem with Bigfoot getting shot. What this law speaks to, for me, is a recognition that ecotourism and people seeing and experiencing wildlife is powerful. You know, if someone shoots Bigfoot once that person gets the benefit, the experience of encountering Bigfoot, but denies it to everyone else. If Bigfoot is out there and you can see Bigfoot in Washington State, that benefits a lot of people. That generates tourism dollars, it generates interest, and it's better for Bigfoot. And that, I think, is the other portion of this, is an acknowledgement that this creature that is, in urban mythology, meant to be the the quote-unquote missing link between Humans and the rest of the world is a sentient creature, just like all animals are, and deserves not to be subject to cruelty and wanton death. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh,
2: What about the uh, horses in Ohio?
13: Yes, in Ohio, where uh, you are not allowed to uh, permit your horses to have uh, special horsey sexy time on the streets. Uh, but notably, that only applies to male horses. And I've been told since we put this list out, I've been told by uh, people with more horse knowledge than I that it's often the mayor who initiates. So this law I imagine it's meant to prevent awkward scenes from playing out on the streets of Ohio, but it looks like they may be targeting the wrong horses in this scenario. Oh, yeah, okay.
1: (laughs) Uh, And finally, I understand in Georgia, the llama has extra protection. Is that correct?
13: It is correct. It is. So a lot of states have what are called equine activity statutes, which essentially say if you're out horseback riding or attending a show with horses, that there's a certain amount of risk that comes with that, and you assume that risk. Georgia extends that to llamas, which is interesting because those statutes historically grew up in a time where people interacted with horses in their daily lives. Everyone knew that there were certain risks to being around horses. I don't know if we've ever had a moment in American history where people knew those same risks applied to llamas, but in Georgia... You better be up on your dominant knowledge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Hey, if you want to learn more about the Animal Legal Defense Fund, check out ALDF.org. ALDF.org. We'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. David, thanks so much for hanging with us today.
13: Thank you. A pleasure.
1: Hey, Glenn. Hi, how you doing? Good. Where are you calling from? Uh, from Southern Oregon. Southern Oregon. Are you driving through or you live there? No, I live there. It's a beautiful place, isn't it? It is. It is. I like it here. So what's going on with your animals? I got Dr. Debbie right here.
6: Hi there. Um, hi. How you doing, Dr. Debbie? Uh, Coach, I'm doing this great. Time, this is the first time I've heard your radio show, and I think oh, I'll okay. listen to it now. Oh, so, um, wow, great. Right now we have an 8-year-old Beagle, male, and the strange thing is he will not eat out of his food bowl, dry food. Okay. He He has to tip the bowl over, and he'll eat it off the floor. Or if you take a handful out and put it on the floor, he'll eat it on the floor. We've changed bowls like four or five times. I'm just wondering why why he does that. Is that just some idiosyncrasy that he has?
5: Yeah, it could just be an idiosyncrasy because some dogs have this where, you know, they'll either paw the little kibbles out and put them on the ground or pick them up with their mouth and set them to the side and then ingest them. Um, the first thing I always do is I look at the, the feeding arrangement and I'll start with that. So if they're in a round bowl with high sides, I'll go to actually like a platter, uh, mm-hmm. different styles of bowls, uh, ceramic versus stainless steel. I've had dogs that don't like their reflection and stainless steel. Uh, Um, And then also just changing the site that you're feeding. So not just playing with bowls, but going from, you know, say a carpeted area to a tiled area, uh, different parts of the house. And if none of that changes and he still does this behavior, then I just kind of say, eh, he's got a little quirk. So uh, he he likes to serve himself, if you will.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank
5: you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call. Take care. All right.
1: Hey, thanks for hanging with us today. If you need your fix, head on over to animalradio.com and download the free animal radio app for your iPhone or your Android or your Blackberry. Do it now, okay? Have yourself a great week.
3: Bye bye. Bye. Bye,
2: everyone. See you next week.
11: This
6: is Animal, animal R- Ra- R- Radio. Radio
9: network. Network.